Welcome to episode 531 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode 531 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Fantastic, Bevan. And you? He's got, he's got me up early in the morning. We started the show at quarter past five this morning. We're in our own offices. I've got a lot of hair and John's got his microphone pointing up. Why is his microphone pointing up? So it goes towards my mouth. Oh, oh no, no, you hid no. one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh. Why, why, why are we doing it so early today, John? Daddy daycare day. I've got to be uh, got to have my kids ready. Belinda's probably just about landed in Houston and en route to New York. So I've got two weeks with the kiddies, and uh, it's going to be fun times. How did I? Corporal one? Corporal John is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Jen yesterday morning before. I saw Belinda was at the gym as well, and I thought they were pretty keen going to the gym at six in the morning the day they were leaving. Mm. Yeah. Just look out. Phil sees you. You're going to get a, a swift uppercut. <laughs> I tagged Phil. Just for those who don't know, I tagged Phil in the love challenge as well, and I'm sure he's embraced it with you know a hundred percent commitment. There wasn't a reason you told Jen to spend up large, and uh, oh. Phil wasn't happy about that. Oh yeah, I told her that as well. Although she did say, "I don't need to be told that." So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, guys, uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. And they include George, Mr. Madman Gray, Alistair, Speed Feet Fleet, uh, we've got Peter Rockout Githens, Mr. Detention Paul Dean, and then we've got Liz Elastigil Van Hayden, which is a pretty good, Elastigil is a pretty good one. Like that. Okay guys, on this week's show, it's a bit of a different kind of show because John needs to get stuff done, so we've got lots of interviews coming up. So we've got news, and then we've got two great interviews today, John. Yep, we've got Jordan Rapp, so I caught up with him last week, so we've got a great 40-minute interview there talking about uh, his recent race at Ironman Tremblant, where he didn't quite take the victory, but had a good, strong race, and also has Kona coming up, and uh, his prediction of the winner is not what most of us are thinking, so watch the space. Okay, and we also have... Mary Beth Ellis, and she did manage to take the win at Montremblanc last uh, the weekend before last, as well as winning Ironman Maastricht um, earlier, about three weeks before that. So, fingers crossed, she'll be on fire for Rote, uh, for, for Kona. Rote, yeah, that's, yeah, next year. Yeah, she wants to do it. She said in the interview. So, John, but I'm on, on our Facebook page preparing for the show, looking at you know the discussion of the week from last week, and I see this photo of this supermodel on the front page. I busted out the I Am Talk gear last week, uh, the new I Am Talk gear, and it's performed very nicely. Oh, mate, mate. Ladies, don't look at it if you don't want to get excited. That's all I'm saying. Okay, guys, this is uh, news. So, first of all, we had results from Challenge Penticton, and uh, what happened over there, Jombo? So this challenge been ticked in this year has changed to being the ITU distance. They have the world long distance champs there next year. Um, this year it was the Canadian champs. So the distance they race over is a 3K swim, 120K bike, 30K run. So it's a really nice distance. It's just not quite that Ironman. And uh, it's just a 
bit more manageable. So it's kind of closer to a 70.3. But again, it's just got that little bit more than a 70.3 where you've got to be a bit bit more conservative. So it looked like um, you know, Challenge Penticton, the numbers have been uh, dwindling a bit over the last few years since uh, since it's become a challenge race. Um, but it looked like they had a good good day out there. They had uh, 500 finishes and then it sounds like they had around about 1,500 people all up there. The creation of teams? Uh, it's more they're creating a festival event there. Okay. So what what they're getting ready for next year with ITU Worlds is they've got a whole series of world champs. They've got the, the long distance. I think they maybe have the duathlon, aquathon, cross. So they've got a whole series of events over a week. So if you did want to go over there and go Napa and uh, actually have a number of races in one cool location, it would be a really wicked opportunity. So mm. I think they did something pretty similar to that uh, this year as sort of a, uh, as a trial run. I also noticed they had um, Bob Babbitt over there, Breakfast with Bob, doing a whole bunch of interviews. So they're really trying some different things to to re-engage um, with the community there, promote the event. Um, the community is just nuts over there in, in Penticton, so they really want to get their numbers back up. And if you're considering doing um, you know, a race, different race next year, we know that they put on a great job, and uh, it's going to be the ITU World Long Distance Champ, so you get to race for your country rather than being racing as an individual. So so check it up. The, the ITU Worlds are actually coming up uh, in September in Oklahoma in the States in a few weeks' time as well so two times over in north america over the next two years but in terms of the racing it was uh it was pretty close jeff simons who is actually from penticton managed to get the hometown win courtesy of running down drew scott so oh, wow. he ran a one he ran a 154 which for 30k that's pretty bloody fast well no uh, so drew scott drew scott ran a 154 jeff simons ran a 145 145 it's yeah. yeah sorry 145 by jeff simons is sensationally fast so he swam 42 um for 3k biked 302 for the 120 and then ran a 145 to end up taking it by five minutes but he had a uh, plenty of work to do there on the run so drew scott was second and jordan baden was was third and then on the girls side of things we had jen in yep, my pages. I think it's Gina Nett. Gina Nett took yeah. it out um, in 6.13.49 from Elizabeth Lyles, who put in a great run split, a two-hour run split, uh, 6.14. And so you've got to remember, a two-hour run split for 30K is uh, is not mucking around. And then Fawn Whiting was the first age grouper in third place in 6.20. Have you ever done this distance, John? I have not. I would like to, um, but I have not. It's not a distance that's raced very commonly pretty much the only place that it is raced is uh is itu world long distance champs as far as i'm aware and it, it's i'm pretty sure that's the distance that nice used to be. no nice used to be a 4k swim and then i think 120 and then 30 so it's it's a cool distance i like it okay well there you go penticton guys if you want to get along next year make sure you do because it sounds like it's going to be a pretty cool event and and in some ways you could almost use it as a big training week really couldn't you like if you want to have just a Almost like a camp week, couldn't you? If you? Let's say you're going to go to Kona, or it's probably a little bit close to Kona. But if you're going to go do some other big race not long after that, you could use this as a massive training week, which would be awesome competing in lots of events in one week. Eh? It would be cool. But I'd, I'd say, you know, ITU World Long Distance Champs, pretty pretty major event. So I just think it's a, it's a cool location to be going to. There's a lot of history there. Um, it's one of the very, very oldest Ironman destinations anywhere in the world. And everybody that goes there just says it's a, it's a wicked community. They're really getting behind it. And it's, it's a wicked course as well. So check it out. 
Okay, so we had I Mean Beach as well, and good old Harry Wilshire took it out. That's his first win, isn't it? It is. He's had uh, he's had a second place before. I think he's had a fourth place before, but he took took it out. He had a he's a good swimmer. Comes from sort of an ITU background. Swam fifty, biked four thirty one, but then put in a fantastic run split of uh, two fifty one. But I will say there's a lot of great run splits there. Second was two fifty one. Third was two fifty three. Christian Brader was down. In fifth place with a 2.45, so some pretty sensational times. He set a course record, uh, went 8.17.14, only ended up taking it by uh, just over a minute from Tim Bridenbach from Belgium, and Ivan Risti was in third place. And then interesting, we had, uh, it was a double, the bloody Poms it just keep dominating. The Olympics oh. are over, but they, they still Stop keep it, dominating. Stop it, Stop it. <laughs> so Catherine Foe took it out uh, in one-hour swim, 4.54 on the bike and 3.13 run for a 9.13. Um, and as I mentioned last week, she was the first age grouper a couple of years ago over in Kona. And I was sort of going, what the hell has she been up to? But apparently she's been finishing her medical studies, and this is, uh, and she, so she's uh, on, her, on her way back now. And so it'll be interesting to see what sort of a, a pro career she forges, um, but she also set a course record over there in 9.13. John, of the men, 11 did sub-threes. That's very impressive. Yeah, you don't see that a lot, do you? No, and especially when the calibre of the athletes is, uh, they're not sort of top 10 kind of athletes, so I'm just wondering if it was uh, accurate. Hmm, mm, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't give them credit look at the course okay John both so yes. we've got some feedback about the race some people are saying uh, the French can be a little bit difficult Old Arno, and he's French, so you're allowed to criticise your own country if you. Yeah. Um, but look, a couple of things that he pointed out. Um, you've got to be really careful when you're racing in different countries. Sometimes they don't apply the same rules consistently across the board. So he was saying that. Uh, a lot, and I really mean it, of athletes were asked to strip their speed suits a few minutes before the start because it was apparently forbidden to have a double layer on your body. So it's either your tri-kit or your speed suit. But if you want to, um, your tri-kit, it must be folded and rolled back to your waist. Mix that in with uh, pretty much no English instructions. And there was one girl who was disqualified. Uh, I think it was Diana Reiser. Um, it was a name that I was familiar with. And she was disqualified for uh, for wearing her speed suit so it's very clear in the in the in the Ironman rules you know you can wear a speed suit as long as it's um you know it meets their requirements but the Frenchies decided over there they said no you cannot have a speed suit it's either got to be a tri suit or a speed suit one or the other you can't have both so crazy that the the, the a they're not it's an Ironman event and they're not abiding by the mm. Ironman rules and even more crazy that they're basically doing that on the start line. So the other French rule that I have mentioned before uh, is just ridiculous <laughs> is when you have your race number attached to your race belt, it must be attached with three points. And so that if you've got a race belt that kind of has those two little tags hanging out and you kind of put it through the two little corners of the race number, that's not acceptable. It has to be fixed in three different points. It's just the most stupid rule yeah, imaginable. It really is, isn't it? That, that is someone who's got no power in life and just wants to have authority. And it, what's even more stupid is nobody, you know, back in the day when you, your number was written down manually with a race number, then I can understand the importance to make sure it doesn't come off. But your race number is pretty much a last resort, redundant piece of equipment because everything's done with your timing chip. So bizarre. Yeah, that is bizarre. bizarre. So just, just, just Diana Riser, 
So basically, she was disqualified because of this one, but it was she was swimming in line with the Ironman rules, and these were reaffirmed before in an email before the race. So that's mm-hmm. in some ways, why didn't WTC pull rank there? Because sure, the French officials disqualified her, but at the same time, she stuck within the rules that were reaffirmed in the email. They should be putting the fight up for her, really, shouldn't they? It should be. Um... But it's different country to country. Obviously, you know they should apply the Ironman rules, but it may be written somewhere in, in terms of if you're running a triathlon in France, you must abide by the French Federation triathlon rules, um, which may be different. So if there is a discrepancy there, then yeah, I think it's it's just a communication thing. It's got to be got to be nice and clear. It makes sense that you should definitely follow Ironman rules, but it may be that they cannot when they run a triathlon in France. Well, the problem so is, somebody's got to change their rules to keep it consistent. Well, the problem is Diana is the person who pays the cost here, and it's not her fault mm. at all. Like, she's stuck to the rules that were emailed to her before the race. She's probably paid a lot of money to go and do this race, and then she gets kicked in the teeth because there's a disparity between the two organisations. They should take the brunt of the decision, not her. Gotta love the French. Gotta, Gotta love, love the French. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So Vici... So next year... Sort, sort your crap out, organisations. Sort it out. Okay, John, it's a big weekend. We're pretty excited. The Australians are getting excited because Malulabar, which is one of the greatest names in the world, is having the 70.3 World Championships, and it's going to be a pretty good race, John. It should be a really great race. So it's great that the the, the 70.3 Worlds are starting to move around um, last year in Austria, in Zalemse. Uh, and I had a guy racing there last weekend, and uh, he just said it's the most spectacular place to race over there in Austria. So if you do want to go and check out that race, it was stinking hot this year. Um, but it, he said it was a really, really cool place to race. I've had it at Mont Blanc, which is another great course. And then we had the, had the years in uh, Henderson, Nevada, and Clearwater, which were less memorable so um yeah it should should be fantastic racing just a few of the stats they love to send out 66 percent of the field are males so they've got 2152 male athletes 1116 female athletes 42 is the average age for the males and 40 for the females good old garth barfoot from new zealand's the oldest participant at 80 while there's a 19 year old uh female a 19 year old connor mckay from queensland australia is the youngest so so yeah, it should be a um, it should be a good race because uh, they've got a strong pros. field. Hmm. Yeah. So there's no, um, I guess the main thing here in terms of the recent um, winners, you know, Fredino is not on the start list and also Gomez is not on the start list. So those would be your two you would expect to dominate the dojo if they were there. Um, so, yeah, in terms of our top guns, you've got Sebastian Keenlay. Last year, I think he was second because uh, he was in between Fredino and... Gomez, I seem to recall from last year, he was second or third. Um, Lionel Sanders has been red hot this year, so he is a pretty crappy swimmer relative to the rest of the pro athletes, but he is by far the fastest bike runner out there this season, so he could absolutely kill it. Uh, and it's just overall, it's just a, a deep, strong field. You've got Rudy Wilde, Anthony Coates, Tim Reed, Andreas Dreitz, who can absolutely light it up on the bike. Tim Reed, Craig Alexander, um, Brent McMahon, Josh Amberger. Um, it's just it's a it's a stacked field. Terenzo Bozzoni. So it's Tyler Butterfield. It's really hard to pick these races because um, you just need one person to really fire up on the day, and uh, and they can absolutely crush it. So the seventy point three distance is a lot less predictable than than perhaps Ironman. So guys racing should be awesome. 
Okay, and the girls sort of things? And you've even got guys like Brad Carterfelt. He's right down being number 42. You know, if he, if he can hang in there in the bike, he could uh, totally light it up on the run. Uh, on the girls' side of things, probably a little bit more predictable than the boys. you got Daniela Reef there, number 101. Um, but then in terms of uh, who might be in the hunt for getting second, uh, should be great racing. Caroline Stephen seems to have dedicated her year to being try and be ready for this race she's not racing Kona um, she's really just been racing 70.3s and she's um, from that neck of the woods she's obviously Swiss but spends much of her year um, training over there on the on the coast over in Australia um, you've got Heather Wirtle who's had a great year Magalie Tissery Annabelle Luxford who's a former ITU girl who can rip it up uh, so again girls girls side of the field I would say marginally not quite as strong as the guys, but still um, pretty exceptional, and they've done a great job in getting a sort of world championship quality field. So it's it's a Malunabar is is it will be a cool place to have the race. It's it's a pretty beautiful little spot. I wonder if they'll be running along that water. Have you been to Malunabar, John? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they've got all the shops and stuff along that waterfront there. Hopefully they'll be doing some laps around there. But if you know, tell us about the course. Yeah, so the interesting thing over in Malulabar is the swim. Um, they do have a backup option for the swim, but it's an ocean swim, and uh, and there's, there's usually a, a wave coming in. Uh, it can be massive, it can be it can be small, um, and it can be nearly flat. So, um, but it is an ocean swim, and it won't be pancake flat. So that should hopefully break things up a bit for the age groupers and for the pro athletes. They do have a backup option, and and sort of a, in behind the sea and in a harbour sort of area if uh, if it does get really rough and they've, they've used that option quite a bit in the past um, because they have the Malulabar Triathlon there which is a massive sort of um, Olympic distance triathlon festival so the swim could mix things up the bike, you know, my big fear with this race in Malulabar was that they were going to use the same course that they've used for the 70.3 there in the past, which is basically a long, flat ride on a sort of a, a freeway, and uh, they've had drafting problems there in the past, and with it being the Worlds, it would have been an absolute debacle. So what they have done, they've come up with what looks like a really cool course, where you do have a long stretch out there on the, the freeway, which will be flat, it'll be fast, and uh, the pack's will to be honest they will form up um big time on there but then what they've done midway through the ride is then you kind of go up into the hinterland a bit and they've got some short sharp climbs um and some some rollers in there so that should break things up quite nicely and the good thing is by that being placed sort of midway through the ride is um it might help break things up a bit more than it would if you're, it was at the start of the ride because when everybody's nice and fresh at the beginning of the ride, yes, some people can get away, but it also can mean that if it by being a bit further into the ride, um, people will be a little bit more fatigued, so hopefully things might break up a bit more in terms of both the age group and the pro athletes. Um, so, yeah, I'll be really interested to see. I think for the for the pros, um, for, the, for the guys, there still will be some big packs, but it might give the opportunity for some of those... Uh, uh, real fast dudes to get away and then uh, and then I come off the, the the bike and the run is um, it's a it's a nice little test as well you basically do uh, a couple of out and backs uh, and you run over this hill that's nothing ginormous but it's enough of a, a hill that it uh, it, it will your legs a little bit so it's along the coastline there just on um, on the road along the front so um, yeah it's it's a it's a course that should be 
you know, it's a it's a me- medium rated course. Whereas last year you would have said it was a, quite a difficult bike course. This year, um, across the board, I'd say it's 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 a medium rated course, and I think worthy of a world championship. I think it'll be pretty cool because you're going to have. I imagine a pretty big spectator crowd there. So, you know, because like, Aussies mm. love triathlon and, and when you've got, the, you know, the World Championship and age groups, you're going to get lots of different age groupers there. And so it'll be pretty cool just event to be at. Mm, absolutely. So, and no, I think they'll, they'll do a good job. Um, one thing that I was interested in, this always comes up at, you know, Worlds, whether it be 70.3 Ironman, is what is the current ruling on drafting? Um, and uh, because it does vary from place to place, you know, it, uh, we've had the challenge races, we've had the 20 metre rule, um, different races, it's 12 metres, 15 metres, whatever it is. So I, I looked up the, the race manual for over there at 70.3 and what are the sort of current infractions you can, you can have. So these days for a drafting violation, you get a blue card and that's a five minute penalty served in the penalty tent on the bike course and then you can also have a littering violation which is also a blue card for five minute penalty served on the bike course and if you a blocking violation and I, I thought the blocking violation used to be that you, it was pretty much the same as drafting but a blocking violation is a yellow card which is a stop go time penalty served at the next tent um, so you just, it's basically stop get your number marked down and then you carry on you don't have to wait the the five minutes and they basically use a three strikes in your out principle which means you can have uh with respect to blue card violations get three strikes and you're out of the race which seems pretty generous to me but by that stage i suppose you have lost 10 minutes already the only thing is in the run is it a stop go penalty because it doesn't seem like much of a penalty if it's a stop go penalty in a run uh no it's only on the bike okay so what, what's the penalty in the I, run? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah no, I, don't, I think this mainly applies to the bike, so... But yeah, I wonder if they have yellow cap people, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, not sure. Unauthorised equipment, for example, you know, race, yeah, I'm not quite sure, just, yeah, if, because the stop-go penalty on the run seems a bit pointless. I don't think there's no such thing. Yeah, okay. I don't think they would enforce uh, accidental littering on the run, mainly from a practicality point of side of things. There's going to be crap all over the place on the run, relatively easy to tidy up, but when you're covering a 90-kilometre bike course, it's uh, slightly more challenging. Mm. Okay, other races coming up this weekend, Jumbo? Other races coming up this weekend, Bevan. You, t- you just give me, give me. You're getting ahead of. The game. You're not getting ahead of the game. But we've got quite a few races coming up. Oh, you tried to turn it on me, and then you realised it wasn't my fault. Here you go. You hear that team? <laughs> we've got yeah, that, the, yeah. uh, just, re- just remember we've got that. The Austria try Pottersdorf in Austria. The Canadian two two six. The Iron Extreme in Italy. The Sado International Triathlon in Japan. I've talked about that one in the past. That's one of the longest standing triathlons in the world. Uh, the Cologne two two six. The and the Bellman in Belgium. So, big weekend of racing. Good times. Okay, John, sponsor. Oh, now, you, now, you, now you are getting behind. John oh, no, yes, I am too. Yes, no, sorry. Actually, now I do take responsibility for my mistakes. John's IT update. We're back into the swing of things. The Olympics has happened. We're thinking four years ahead. But, John, does it get to that point where these races aren't that important? Well, I, it's been a really interesting week, I've found, because not just in triathlon, but we've had uh, Kiwi athletes racing on the international stage in athletics. So we had a guy, Tom, Tom Walsh, Walsh yeah. who got a got a, um, bronze. a bronze in the shot put. And uh, he was off uh, doing a diamond league. We had, our, we had another medalist over there um, competing as well. So, man, it would be bloody hard to turn around after yeah. four years of focus and then having to rock up and get back into the swing well, of things. Also but, there are things like, like Tom Walsh. So Tom Walsh got... 
third, I think, is the first ever man male to get a field medal. And he actually dominantly won his event, so he beat the US champion. But I wonder in some ways if you feel you're missing out, because all the Olympic New Zealand, like in New Zealand, the Olympians coming home was a pretty big event. It would have been an mm. amazing life experience. And I'm sure Tom Walsh is pretty happy he won the, the event that he won. Um, but at the same time, you kind of, he, he missed out on a lot of cool experiences he could have had mm. if he just come back home and, and enjoyed the experience for a bit. He'll have a pretty cool experience if he wins that Diamond League. I think he's leading. So I think uh, he'll have some a uh, few dollars in the bank at the end of the season. Yeah. But um, no, so we, we turn around with the triathlon this weekend and it's up in Edmonton, Canada. And uh, <laughs> last year at this race, they had atrocious weather. And it's that time of the year in Canada and the weather forecast, Bevan, is atrocious. Oh, really? mm. So I have a guy who's heading up there from uh, Calgary to do the Olympic distance age group race and weather's supposed to turn midweek and he said uh, their race is at 8 o'clock in the morning, predicted to be 8 degrees or 6 degrees I think it was, centigrade. Ooh. It's going to be freezing. Um, so it, it's interesting that uh, quite a few girls and guys are getting back on the horse and uh, just getting straight back into it. So it's, they're both good, strong fields. you got Flora Duffy, um, Jodie Stimpson, um, Andrea Hewitt, Katie Zaveris, Rachel Klammer, Vicky Holland, um, Sarah True, Non Stanford. So it's a good, strong field. You don't have Gwen Jorgensen there. Um, you don't have Nicholas Spurig. And... You have got Vicky Hall. I was just trying to remember who got third at the Olympics. She, she's listed to start. So, um, yeah, good good strong field on the girls' side of things. And equally, you don't on the guys' side, you don't have the gold medalist Alistair Brown, but you've got most of the other protagonists. Um, you've got Mary Moller, Jonathan Brownlee, um, and then you've got the Portuguese dudes, Yoel Pereira, Yoel Silva. So, again, good strong field. Um, not the Olympic field, but... A lot of guys who are, who are turning around and, and rocking back up. So good luck to everybody racing over there. And your age group is the racing, you Canadians. I uh, hope it's where the forecast is wrong. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this time you're on sponsor. Extreme endurance, Bevan. It's your lactic buffer. Looking, it's your lactic buffer. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, uh, extreme endurance is standard. Extreme endurance um, buffers that lactic acid, aids your recovery. If you are looking for um, an alternative fuel source for your racing, if you sort of struggled with stomach issues and what have you, um, check out their Fuel 5. It's a it's a blend of different forms of carbohydrates. So if you've struggled, and, and for me, when I've tried it in the past, it hasn't got that same sugary sort of taste that you often get from other sports drinks and just kind of keeps you a little bit more flatline um so it's got five forms of fuels four carbohydrate fuels as uh, fuel sources plus lactate it's got organic sweet potato used in their proprietary blend so uh, helps eliminate cramping and muscle burn clean light flavor for extended training so guys if you're looking for a different energy source check it out x endurance fuel 5 go to xendurance.com and if you're going off any of those websites use the promo code IMTalk10 to get yourself a nice little discount. Okay, Jombo, this week's discussion. So X Endurance guys, don't don't forget to check it out. And if you're not already on it, check it out, give it a try. Okay, so this week's discussion, we're we're heading to Kona in a few weeks to go on, I think it's a month, isn't it? Almost to the day. Um, so we've got four weeks until we're heading to Kona. We're pretty excited about it, and we want to do great shows for you guys. So last week's discussion, we basically said, we're heading to Kona. We want to know who you would like us to get on the show, other than obviously the real main obvious superstars. Um, 
who would you like to hear us interview when we're in Kona? And Glenn Newbolt started off and he said, Brie Wee, I know you had several requests for her, but with her retiring from pro racing as a mid-level pro, it would be interesting to hear how hard it is for the mid-of-the-pack mid pros to make a living. Now, we've had a couple of suggestions. Um, Jeff, the Explosion Curry, and a number of other people have said, try to get the last finisher. Now, that's a good point. We had something we've never done before, no. normally, normally because we're tucked up in bed. Um, but well, uh, that's we, a challenge. The next day would be the us. challenge, wouldn't it? Because I can't imagine... Yeah, well, I suppose no, we, you could get them just, after the line, just, couldn't you? Yeah. We'd just be our post-finish line. So that's a challenge for us this year, Bevan. We're going to have to stay up and do it. I always lose I mean, the no, plot. Sorry, I should, I should rephrase that. You're going to have to stay <laughs> up and do it. <laughs> I've never done it. I've never gone back at that. But I think you did one year, didn't you? I did one year, but we're not so much in a media capacity. We we're just standing on the sidelines. But I think it's something we should do is try to catch those, not necessarily just the last finisher, but those uh, maybe some of those very tail end finishes because it's easy enough for us to do. Just be in the um, we've got the media passes, be in uh, the post finish area, and um, should be okay. So yeah, I think that's that's one of the things we want to do this year again is uh, not just get the pro stuff. Like Bevan does a fantastic job getting those pros when they cross the finish line, but also um, maybe try to capture a few more age groupers. Okay, John, both Stephen Brown's good. I'd like to hear from some of the pros that are perhaps not in the mix as for their reason for racing. Racing. Also, good to hear from age groupers with families, jobs, etc., who have qualified and their thoughts on the experience. David Cow, oh, excuse me, David K. Nelson would love to hear from the people who provide the logistics, tech support of the race, the people behind the race, how they get the volunteers, scuba divers, kayakers, aid station people, etc. So, look, that's not going to be realistic um, in race week, but I have actually sent out an email to um, to contact over there in Kona to see if I can try to get some pre-recorded stuff done. Um, so we'll see how we go with that. Matthew Benz has got a sister, Madonna Buddha. Now, now, we've had her on before, haven't we? We interviewed her in the past, No, we? no. Have we no, never we had her on? Okay. Okay, well, no. he was saying it would be great to get her on. Well, and maybe we have. I think we did years ago. Yeah, but not on, not on, yes, we did. I think you're right, but not yeah. in Kona. Not in Kona, no. Not in Kona, Yeah, yeah. But yeah, to get her, and that'd be true. Is she racing again? I didn't realise she was racing. Jeepers, creepers. Yeah, she's still racing. I don't know whether she's racing kind of this year. Melissa Uri, athletes in the older age groups like Carla McKinlay. A lot of people are jokingly saying they'll qualify when they're 70, so let's hear from them. Okay. Good old Peter Colson's got, let's see if we can get you guys, as in John and I, onto breakfast with Bob. There we go, there's a challenge for us. Give it a crack. Um, Travis Flanagan, Britain's best male pro, David McNamee, would be an interesting one. Um, you may need an interpreter, though, as his accent, accent is a bit strong so i can certainly give that you know one of the focuses i always try to have is get a few of the um lesser known pros as well as uh yeah a nice mix of the pros ben culber has got athletes that have completed the most kona races he's saying we should probably use athletes to check this out which is a really good one eh? to get someone who's done maybe 20 or 30 because those people yeah. really put you know like it's you get the people who have done you know ironman new zealand that many times but for someone who have done kona that many times would be pretty fascinating. So maybe we could see if we can sort that one out. Yeah, so if anybody knows of anybody that has been loads of times, um, let us know and we'll see if we can uh, hook up with them. Arnold Sulikov, uh, Dimity Lee Duke, a hard working, hardest working pro I've ever met, an ex-pro motocross racer. So uh, I'll give it a go. He's also got Joe Skipper. Um, we'll probably catch up with him and Lionel Sanders, but I'm not sure if Lionel Sanders is racing or not. Well, the grinder, Christine McKinley, she was grinding me yesterday, John. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was grinding me, grinding me real hard. Filling, did you? Well, one of my old fillings just needed to be redone. So she, she sorted yeah. out my, yep, she was grinding me really hard. It was good. Uh, fast age groupers, ones with the least uh, likely, sorry, ones with at least a most likely full-time job. Pros near the bottom of the qualifying list. I'd like to know the motivation of why they drag themselves to Kona, even though unlikely that they'll get a payday where they could likely make some money in other races. Is it sponsor pressure, etc.? Uh, coaches like Paulo Salsa, uh, Jesse, how do you say that one, John? Oh. Cope, uh, Lynn Licky, maybe? Uh, Siri Lindley and Chris Hull, if possible, please. Okay, we'll see what we can do for the grinder. And uh, a few other ones in there. Robert Bealan was saying, uh, Siri Lindley, we've had a few requests for Joe Skipper. Um, Robert Bealan also says Gomez. So we'll, uh, if we see him wandering around, we'll certainly try to nap him. Gary Fegan, that's a disappointing post. He's asking for Dave Dwan, Dr. Feelgood. He's, he's nothing to us. He's gone. He's gone to us. He's not the uh, support crew extraordinaire. Ollie, Ollie's taken over that role. So, Dave. Hush. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just winding him up because you heard me saying it the other day. Dave's going to be over there with us. Here we're we're doing the uh, Iron Man, uh, the the Epic Camp Light Camp over there. So we'll definitely have Dave Twan on there. No problems. And Dave did respond He's, saying standby callers. Yes, and Dave is going to be looking amazing in his new I Am Talk gear. Oh, another supermodel. We we should have a supermodel yeah. shooting Kona. There we go. Well. Yep. Um, and lastly, Chris Leado. Good old Tim Martin. Dave's got Chris Leado. So. Um, yep, we'll be doing our best to get great interviews. You know, when we're in Kona, guys, that we try to get a mix of the real week of the experience through showing you kind of what's happening within the race, but also talking to the top pros, top age groupers, and anyone else we think has an interesting story that's going to kind of keep it pretty interesting for you guys. Just on that, we are going to Kona, and you're going to hear this a lot over the next month. Just to all the patrons who have supported us in getting to Kona, we're going to say a big thank you, guys, because the reason we go to Kona is because you support the show. So... Uh, if you are a patron of the show, just thank you very much. And uh, it's because of you that we're actually there. So thank you very much. Okay, Jonbo, this weekend's discussion, we've got the World 70.3 Championships happening in Malulaba in Australia. It's going to be pretty cool watching this race this weekend. Uh, so we want to hear your guys' predictions for both the male and female. Top three on both female and male racing this weekend. I think this is going to be a much better discussion in the Olympics because pretty much everybody got at least one or two right in the Olympics, uh, the the picks. But this one, it's 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 not a lottery. You've got some favourites, but uh, there'll be some bolters that'll get onto that podium. So it should be should be good times. But it's interesting, uh, Frodo's not doing it. Yeah, and, and um, as you are about to hear, you'll, you'll hear Jordan Rapp's thoughts on that. But I think the other interesting aspect of it is um, it 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 um, the triple crown. If, yeah. if the triple count is still happening, this basically rules him out. He's, he's he won the first race in uh, Bahrain, I think it was, yeah. uh, and according to the website, this is round two of the triple crown. And I'm not going to say he would have walked away with this race, but if he was in good shape, it, he would stand a very good chance of of winning it. Uh, so either maybe the triple crown isn't happening, but it looks like it is, um, or maybe he's just gone. Uh, look, I've absolutely emptied the well in Rote, and I need to be ready for Kona. And doing this race and having to travel halfway around the world to do it is not going to happen. And we've also got to remember he's got a, a young child as well. So it does seem like an interesting move. Probably it's a world championship plus it's a triple crown, but maybe he just wants to make uh, be in shape, 100% shape for Kona. Yeah, yeah totally. And uh, I'm sure he's not struggling for money. 
No. Well, a million dollars. No. Come on, let's be honest. I'd take a million dollars any day. Um, okay, John, we've got an interview with Jordan Rep. John did this a few days ago, so here is Jordan Rep. Rightio, guys. Um, very happy to have the Rapster Jordan Rap back on the show. Recently raced at Montreux Blanc and always uh, one of our popular guests. And we know a lot of you guys enjoy following him on social media and, and he shares a lot. So, so welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love being on the show. It's it's been a while. I think like 2013 when you guys were doing a camp in Kona. Yeah, might have, it might have been my last experience. And then I didn't really do anything noteworthy to earn an appearance <laughs> for quite a while. And so I'm I'm glad to be sort of racing well enough that I get to be back on. And I think that's one of the interesting things because Bevan said a couple of times, you know, what's Jordan wrap up to? And I said, well. He pulls out these amazing races, you know, at Texas, you've had a couple of great performances, but so often it's all, it all sort of revolves around uh, Kona. If we don't see names in the top ten in Kona, we sometimes forget about guys. But you had a great race um, by the look of it at the weekend at Montreux Blanc, finished second place. So maybe just um, talk, us, talk us through your day and, and whether you were stoked with your day, happy with your day, or, or how you sort of felt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit mixed. Like, I have two sort of good streaks like that sort of that that count seem to counter each other like uh august has always been my best month of racing uh going into tromblant i was four for five uh in in wins you know like i'd done five ironmans in august and i'd won four of them mm. uh, only one that i hadn't won was my first ever ironman uh in in penticton but uh so i have Typically, I had a good streak in August, and I thought, like, I'll make it five for six, and that would be good. But my other streak is that I have never won an Ironman where the the sort of the high temperature was was below 30 Celsius. Mm. Um, and typically, that goes well with August, because typically, if you race in August, the high is over 30 Celsius. Mm. Uh, uh, so I think that's part of why I race well in August. But unfortunately, we had... Um, a kind of cold, a cool, I mean, it's not cold by any means. I think it was maybe like 23, 24 mm. degrees and, and raining, uh, in Montremblant. Um, you know, and I think cool and rainy days for sure favor, favor the runners. You know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, you, you know, especially on a course that's got, it's not super technical, but it's got some, some quick descent, some narrow sections, you know, and when it's, when it's really pouring rain, you know, at least if you got three kids, uh, you probably <laughs> a little bit, a little bit more than you ought to. I mean, uh, Romain Guillaume, uh, you know, he was head down, uh, you know, buried in the bars on on the descents uh, in some, you know, I think. But uh, but me, I like I like to use my brakes when it's wet, uh, a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I think you know you you can't sort of and then also I think it's for guys that that sort of roll the dice on the run. Um, you know, when it's cool, it keeps you cool. And when it's raining, it keeps you cool. And I think, you know, a rainy day certainly favors guys that, uh, are gonna, are gonna punch out a really solid run. I think, I mean, you saw that, uh, in cans this year, I mean, uh, rain really affected the, the way that that bike ride played out, uh, and there it was more with flat tires, mm -hmm. but then, you know, I think you saw that, I mean, Burks was able to, to smash out a pretty solid run and, and win pretty handily, mm -hmm. um, 
No, I think so. that's been one of my comments all the way through the season is um, we seem to have seen a bit of a step up in, in guys' run performances. You know, most, a lot of the Ironman's guys are now running consistently mid-240s or low-240s, but I guess when you think about it, some of the time it has been uh, has been due to some, some slightly cooler temperatures. When, when Chris um, Lieferman sort of passed you on the run, did you, did you have any hope of, of hanging with him and uh, hanging on for the win? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was his first Ironman, and, you know, a half Ironman guy, uh, there's always a very strong uh-huh. po- probability that, like, it's like, you know, that they think, like, oh, okay, you know, 21K, like, we're p- pretty much done now, right? And it's like, oh, <laughs> not at all. So, I mean, I thought, you know, there was, a, there was a really good chance that, you know, 30K, right, he just starts walking, and so, you know, I made sure to to kind of keep the pressure on, and I mean, I think he he pulled away maybe pretty steadily at about, you know, 10 seconds a K kind of for the rest of the race. But it's not like he passed and I sort of folded like I basically mm. I mean, he con- we, he continued to run about as fast uh, relative to how fast I was running after he passed me as he did before. Mm. So, I mean, it certainly, you know, if he had faltered, I think it uh, I would have been pretty quick to, to catch back up. You know, when he rolled through sort of, you know, I saw him at the, the turnaround with about, I think, at that, you know, like 35K or so. And, I mean, he lo- still looked very good. And I think mm-hmm. he sort of, I sort of figured at that point, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to crack if he hasn't cracked at this point. And, you know, I thought, um, you know, and I'm I'm not going to probably get past. And I sort of, you know, I wouldn't say I shut it down, but kind of, you know, rolled it back a little bit. Um you know, because I felt like second place was was pretty pretty well solid uh, in the bag, and you know that's what I needed to do to get to Kona, and you know, uh, but I certainly kept it on, you know, at least through through most of the marathon, you know, with with thinking that yeah, I still had a, a real chance a real chance to win um, for for most of the day, even even after he had passed me. So I'm I'm always intrigued looking at um, different pros race calendars and when I had a had a look at your blog in terms of your 2016 race calendar you sort of kicked it off with a with a steady day at at California 70.3 and then you sort of had planned um originally of doing Texas, Cairns and Montreal Blanc which you you did all three of them with a bit of a roller coaster ride and then you had Ironman World Champs and Arizona in there so that's um five Four or five, four, four Ironman, five Ironmans in, in one season. Is that normal for you? And um, and and how do you sort of go about planning your season? Yeah, I mean that was actually, I mean that was like that was not the initial plan. I mean mm. the initial plan was Texas and Kona and Arizona, mm. um, you know. And then I I had thought about doing Cans instead of Texas just because I think it's a it's a it was a better course for me and then once they made all the changes to texas you know when they sort of didn't have a bike course and then that modified bike course it all came kind of so late i i think if that all those announcements had come maybe in like february Mm. i think i probably would have just i would have just planned on cans instead of texas Mm -hmm. uh, which i think would have been would have been probably the you know a better decision i think you know that course in texas um, certainly the modified course, you know, doesn't, doesn't suit me, uh, you know, and I don't even know that the, the new course they've just announced on the highway suits me. And I'm not even sure that the original course, I mean, even the great day that I had there, mm. I think that the nature of that course has changed a lot since it became a championship race. And I think this is, you know, 
you said uh, guys are running faster. And I think a lot of it is just that at these championship races, the fields are bigger. I mean, I think Patrick Lang said that after Texas, you know, he's a good swimmer. And then, you know, he was able to basically sort of be in the group that was like 30 strong on the Mm -hmm. bike and, you know, got off and and had a big run. And I think, you know, I mean, it's hard to, you you sort of want to emphasize when you talk about something like that. It's not like I'm saying that I think Patrick, you know, cheated in the same way that, you know, I think that, uh, you know, say that, that I don't think, you know, that Lieferman, you know, uh, you know, cheated in any way in, in Montremblant. I think it's that, you know, the, the draft zone is, is 12 meters front to front. And it's, it's pretty clear that there is a meaningful advantage, uh, mm-hmm. riding at 12 meters. And if you have, you know, five or six guys or, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 guys, you know, then that becomes an even bigger advantage. And, you know, it, uh, if you can, if you can stay in, you know, and save your legs, uh, and you're confident in your run, you know, you can, you can certainly ride with a, a whole lot less power, mm-hmm. uh, if you're sort of sitting fifth or sixth wheel. And that's just, that's just sort of the nature of it. And, you know, I, I like the course like Tremblant. I think on um, typically it's, it's hot enough and hilly enough that it kind of blows people out. Um, but you know, if, if you see something like you had in Texas where there were 88 turns, um, you know, or in Tremblant where we had some rain, you know, then, then that mitigates the, you know, the impact of, of a bike quite a lot. Mm. So just back to the the, the selection of your races, you sort of explained the rationale around Texas and Cairns, but um, does the fact that these races were regional championships influence you more to go to do do them because of the money and the points? Because sometimes I look at other athletes selecting races and I just wonder what the hell they're doing if they want to get to Kona. Um, Was that that a big part of of you choosing those um, particular races? Yes and no. I mean, yes, in the sense that, you know, obviously you want to go, I mean, if all other things being equal, I would rather do a race where, you know, you could get 30,000 if you win as opposed to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, and where, you know, you can have a, a good day, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll lock you up for Kona. At the same time, like, I would never want to do a race, like, just because it was a regional championship, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, uh, like, say next year, I think, you know, Texas is sort of the, the quote unquote logical race, uh, for me to do, but I don't think it's a race that I'm going to do because I don't, you know, I don't think that that sort of bike course is, is, it suits me. And I also don't, don't know that I would find it sort of as compelling a race. Whereas like, I think that course in, in Cairns is a great course. You know, I think that the course in, in Tromelon is a, is a fantastic course. I mean, I like to, you know, I don't ever look at any race, like even in Tromelon, where it's like I needed to come second to win. It's not like I was going there hmm. racing for second, like I was going racing to win. Um, and I mean, obviously, I would have worked harder to hold on to second than I might have, you know, if all I needed to do was, say, finish, you know, top three or something like that. But I think I do feel like I always want to put the best effort I can in any race that I'm I'm going to do you know, and not just sort of show up to just kind of like, I could never imagine like my, my goal obviously is to have a great race in Kona this year. Um, but even if I did that, I would never want to say, do go and do like the, the validation thing, right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like show up and, you know, 
jog to the finish and you know i i don't i don't like the idea of that like i always want to go and race mm -hmm. um and i want to race at a race that i think is going to be enjoyable so you know i think it's, it's a mix of the points and the money and then uh and then also i think you want it to be enjoyable and to suit you mm -hmm. um, and obviously those things go hand in hand right it, it is enjoyable to win a race yeah. and to get get paid so um but I think beyond that, you still want to go and do something where you feel like the course uh, is a is a good is a great experience. And I think you know, like Kansas was a bucket list race for me, and it just was sort of gravy in that sense that it was a, a regional championship as well. What, what's your sort of feeling, and and what do you sense from from the other pros around the the current qualifying system? Um, before we came on air, you were sort of mentioning, you know, back in the day when Mark Allen and Dave Scott were racing, you kind of had to win a race or be a past champion. You could just rock up to Kona, and the sports obviously moved on, and, and they're never going to have the the perfect sort of formula. Um, but what's your sort of feeling towards it, and what's what do you sort of feel from others in terms of how they 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 feel about it? Maybe maybe putting aside the the gender issues that some people um um you know obviously the the females don't get as many slots as the guys but just you know maybe looking from the guy's perspective what's what's the general feeling out there yeah i mean i think like i think you know you the qualifying system was was inevitable i mean i think you basically had i mean it used to be that you know there were was essentially there used to be twice as many spots for pros mm -hmm. Uh, there are now i mean you had 150 160 slots um and you had fewer pros and fewer races um so you know you could have you know three you know three to four slots uh you know at every race but there are so many races now that 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 sort of slots at a race formula would no longer really kind of pan out and you can't couldn't even really assign them based on kind of competitiveness because I mean, races are such such a crapshoot. I mean, I look at Arizona, which is now, I mean, it's late season and all that, but I mean, last year, the top five there, we were separated by, by I think, eight minutes, you know, the first five men. And it, I mean, it, it was a fantastic race. Um, and then there are other races that you would think would be just as competitive and aren't nearly so. So, I mean, I think that you had to go to some sort of ranking, qualifying system that was more than just a, a one-race system. You know, and I think the KPR has continued to improve. And, you know, I'm an Ironman ambassador and have, have been sort of, you know, played a role in, in architecting, you know, a lot of uh, the changes that have been made. And I think that system continues to improve. And, I mean, there were just some new changes, I think, that were announced to try and reduce some of the influence of 70.3 and all of that. So, I mean, I'm I'm certainly in favor of the system. I mean, I'd be, be hard for me to say otherwise since like mm -hmm. I'm one of the ones that's sort of helping to design it. But, you know, beyond that, I do think it was, it's, you know, it, it makes more sense, right? I mean, the idea of having, you know, a hundred pros in Kona was just sort of so crazy. I mean, there are some people I think you see, you know, that uh, there's maybe even still, it's a hard balance, right? Because it's like, I think there are maybe still too many, but the hard part is, is if you had even fewer than qualifying would then become would become so crazy. I mean, I think the one downside really is, is that there are so many races and there are so many other great races. And yet the year really does still revolve almost entirely around Kona. I mean, I think that like they should, you know, have the prize money in Kona and double the prize money at all the regional championships because Kona will still always be Kona. Mm. But I think, you know, you could make the regional championships a much bigger deal than they are. I mean, you look at the regional championships and I think, 
you know, the fields are good, yeah. but you still see, I mean, you know, the, the fall off after say, you know, the podium or, or fifth place is, is pretty dramatic in some places. You know, I think, uh, you know, like there's a lot of where the, the races are just, you know, they're not that deep, um, despite being championships. And you think like these races should be more like kind of, it's like Kona is, is tier A and everything else is like tier C or below. And there's like, mm. there's no mm. sort of B level races. And I feel like if you sort of, it, you could put some more emphasis on the regional championships, uh, you know, without affecting Kona. And I, I think that's sort of the hard part, right? Is that like everything has grown and yet it's, it's sort of like Kona is still, is still the end destination. And I like, I mean, I have described it in the simple, my simple sort of way is, instead of all roads leading to Kona, which is what we have now, it should be sort of more like all roads lead from Kona. Instead of using these other races to make Kona more credible, it's like use Kona's credibility to make the other races a big deal. Um, and I think the opinion on, on that in the general sense, I mean, is varied. There are, there are those pros for whom it's Kona is, is all that matters, and you know they're sort of happy to see it continue to be that way. And I think then there are some others that feel that they would want to see something more like what I'm describing, where you know if you won a regional championship, that that would be you know it seems strange that winning a regional championship is maybe still sort of less meaningful than a top ten in Kona, and yet I think winning a regional championship is is quite a bit harder mm. than coming ten in Kona. So. I think, uh, you know, there are those folks that, you know, especially those people that don't particularly like hot and humid races that think like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if, if I could, you know, have some credibility uh, outside of, you know, outside of trying to chase a top 10 in Kona. So is, um, given you're an Ironman amb- ambassador, is that is that part of your your brief and are you able to, you know, voice those opinions and is there any sort of uh, group, you know, obviously we've had the... Um, is it the, the sort of the triathlon professionals union that, that sort of I'm not really sure where that's at at the moment but is there a working group or anything um, around the you know um, how the professional calendar is laid out how prize money is done and, and you said you're sort of part of part of the the qualifying procedure but what what what's sort of moving within Ironman circles to, to develop the pro side of racing yeah I mean I think the the working group uh, I mean on the I think you know, I can't rem- remember what other athletes, uh, there have been a bunch that, you know, it sort of has changed. Like, I think I've been the most consistent ambassador having done it since 2013. Um, you know, there've been others that have come and gone. And in terms of sort of working group, like, uh, Paula and Heather really, I mean, they sort of run the show. And then, you know, in terms of, of getting feedback, like I've done it in sort of the informal way of just kind of reaching out to, to pros that, uh, you know, I have a, been doing this long enough that i have a good relationship i think with a lot of athletes and just kind of you know sh- shooting the breeze with them and and, and, and kind of asking them what they think about stuff and then even then uh, insert you know in, in quite a couple cases you know much more formal you know surveys that get sent out to, mm-hmm. to everyone who's registered as a as a pro athlete you know asking them for for specific feedback um you know i think uh we've it's been all of that and so i think i'd like for you know I, i've actually since since that uh, the the PTU has formed, like I've had a, a, a couple conversations um, with Rich Allen, who is is running it, you know, about trying to sort of get him to maybe leverage, you know, what he's trying to do and saying, well, here here's some of the ways in which you know you could help me, um, 
mm. you know, like you can maybe collect some of the feedback and then I can be responsible for disseminating it and, you know, kind of being a bit more organized. And, and so far I, that hasn't, we haven't done much with that, but I think, um, there's been, there's been a bit of traction, um, on, on some of these things. And, you know, I think, uh, you saw that the, the PTU, uh, they've had some, some good conversations and I think, uh, they feel pretty happy about the, the change that was recently announced with, with getting the start list up earlier. And I think that was a, that was a positive thing that they did. And so, you know, there's nothing, nothing so formal yet. And I think it's, you know, we're from my perspective and I, you know, I don't, not to try and speak too much for Ironman. I think it's, we're waiting to see, you know, how much they really do speak for, for athletes. I mean, how many, how many people consider themselves, members of the PTU uh, and that that's still a big question mark so you've you mentioned Kona a couple of times um, about going there this year so is it right that you've we clipped the ticket I last time I checked I didn't see a queue next to your name but are you definitely going and if so what are your sort of objectives around the race because I know that when we spoke to you a number of years ago um, it was sort of you, you were having some great success and we're sort of going when are you going to go to Kona and you weren't going to go until you were you were right and ready um, so is, is Kona a big part of your year and are you definitely going and, and what are your plans? Yeah so the queue happens at once you actually fill out the form and I was traveling yesterday uh, Monday uh, and then yesterday sort of owing my family uh some time after being away and uh and then today was my son's first day of kindergarten so i have yet to i have yet to fill out my registration but i will and i'm definitely going um and i am i'm optimistic i actually feel that you know i had thought early in the year about about actually you know going and, and using trauma as a qualifier um anyway i mean the sort of the logical approach is oh it's it's too close but i think you know, for me, I have way more races where I've gone in kind of overdone than than underdone. And I actually think that, you know, last year I had eight weeks and this year I have seven. And last year, I think eight weeks was one week too many even. Yeah. And uh, I actually think that seven weeks will be, be perfect for me. And, you know, I think you see a lot of guys that come into Kona and, you know, like they've just been smashing themselves since like May or June and <laughs> they're just fried. And, you know, I feel I feel optimistic you know, I think last year it worked really well. And I think I was, you know, I think, I mean, it's so hard because I didn't really get to an honest, I think, assessment. But I think going in, I felt like I was prepared to go, you know, uh, finish, you know, maybe top five, but I really thought like six, seven, eight was, you know, was doable. And, uh, you know, I think based on the way that I swam and the way that I I rode and even the way that I actually, you know, ended up finishing, um, finishing 21st, uh, <laughs> riding 50 miles on a broken saddle and 50 miles on a saddle that was basically like, you know, jammed up my backside, uh, <laughs> finishing 21st was, was actually pretty good. Um, you know, and I feel like that made me confident that, oh yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, crazy. Um, at the same time, right. You know, it's easy to say like, Oh yeah, you know I could have gone say 20, 25 minutes faster uh, if if I'd been sitting on my my normal seat. But of course, you know you don't actually know that until you try to do it. Um, but I feel like, I mean, looking back at my race in Tromelo, I actually think that was one of my five best Ironmans. I think the two wins I had in Canada, New York City, and Texas were both better races. But 
I think that this the race this year was a better performance even than my win last year. I just think that, you know, when it was basically, you know, 32 and 80% humidity or whatever it was last year, that that just is, is um, that just suits me. Uh, and I think this is certainly a better performance than when I won Arizona in 2009. And so from that standpoint, I feel like, yeah, I mean, again, be going to Kona, you know, looking for a top five. But I think the the difference for me is that, like, I tend to, I slow down like everybody else when it's hot and humid. I just seem to slow down a lot less. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I went 830 in Tromelon. I think that looking at that performance and just how I raced in heat and humidity, I think that that's the sort of performance that translates pretty well to a, a probably about an 830 in Kona. And I mean, mm -hmm. an 830 in Kona traditionally will put you put you in the hunt to be in the top five. And I think, you know, that's what I'm, I'm looking for. And I, you know, I think that, you know, it, I didn't win and, you know, I got beaten by a first timer and all that. And yet I think just because of the nature of Kona, you know, that it rewards a strong ride performance and, you know, it, it's very hard to run, you know, 245 in Kona um, because it, it's, you know, it's always hot and always humid and all of, and rare, it basically never rains. You know, I think that I feel that, that performance was the kind of I feel like that was a top 10 performance even though it wasn't maybe such a standout result mm -hmm. just because I think that Tromblock course is a good indicator for Kona I mean you know I hold the course record on the bike there at 425 you know mm -hmm. Kona course record is is 418 you know this it, it was a non-wetsuit swim this year and actually relatively rough mm -hmm. with some wind um you know and then the run course record I think is now in in Tromblock is, is Lieferman with 245 and you know, obviously, I mean, you've never had somebody like Craig Alexander showing up in his best ever shape and being pushed by everyone else in their best ever shape. But I would say, yeah, I mean, I think that if you're talking, what do I think the course record in Tromblanc could be? Mm -hmm. You know, it's 816 now, and I think probably 805 is about is about what, you know, if they held if they held worlds in Tromblanc, I think you'd probably see maybe maybe an 805 on a fantastic day. But I do think it's a it's a course that's a real honest indicator of the kind of race you can have in Kona just because it's it's pretty similar. I mean, it's not an easy run, it's not an easy bike, um, but it's it's hard in a very similar way, right? It's it's rolling, you know, there's some the 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 run is mostly kind of uphill or mostly downhill. It's not like, you know, same with a ride, it's sort of always up and down. It's not like there's ever these it's not say like a, a course like Nice where it's flat and then you have this huge climb and then it's flat again. Mm. Um, you know, I think it, it's, it is a similar course. And so I think I feel, I feel good about my performance, you know, being a positive indicator for, for the race in six and a half weeks. What, what's the kind of ride like for you, you know, because you're, you're a weaker swimmer. Um, are you pretty much just riding your effort as opposed to the guys and the, you know, the front pack and maybe the second pack who are, who are pace lining it and, you know, hard, easy, hard, easy, or, you know, within reason, we know it's not, it's never probably easy, but um, is your, is your ride in kind of a pretty consistent effort or do you end up with, with groups with some of the slower swimmers as well? Uh, I mean, I think for me, like, you know, I've never had a bit of, I've never sort of had like that race in Kona where I thought like, oh, everything kind of, everything went well. And I mean, I think it's, that's what's, part of I think the reason I had a lot of confidence from Trump Law is that is that it was one of those races where I didn't make any mistakes um anywhere um you know I think and I think that when you look at Kona right it's like that's a huge part of of having a good race there is just not messing anything up mm. 
And I think, you know, last year I came out with a pretty big group in the second pack with a lot of strong riders. I mean, Boris Stein and Marino and a lot of those guys. And, you know, I thought like, you know, here is the chance to get to, you know, like, oh, here, you know, I think that was really last year was my first experience of sort of like, oh, this is when I could choose to race Kona differently than I've raced before. And I chose not to, um, you know, like those guys, they, I probably sat a hundred, 150 meters off the back of this group. Um, but I looked at the power that I was riding, uh, and I looked at the power that the group was riding and I was like, this is crazy. There's, I mean, you know, there's, maybe maybe one or two guys in the world that can hold this power and i don't know about that uh you know that <laughs> that any of people can really hold that power uh in of course like you know on a hot day and i mean you could tell early that it was going to be hot i mean it was still and it was hot you know i was riding you know i was riding a bit over what i wanted and these guys were still sort of pulling away and i thought like why would i want to get in there and be in that like i'd rather just and even with sort of the the debacle that i had i still ended up catching guys on the climb to hobby um you know and i still ended up out riding actually like quite a lot of guys you know uh, especially in the second half in spite of everything and i think you know yeah so i felt i'd always felt like i wanted to do my own ride in kona and i think last year was was validation that you know that 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 is a is a good approach. I mean, it, again, it, it is, it was, I think the biggest disappointment of, of having a technical mishap on the bike last year was that I'm pretty sure of a lot of these things, but I didn't really get an honest answer. Mm. Now, um, obviously you never want to give anybody, you know, give up on, on a winner or anything, but if, if Frodo's on his game, do you think anybody uh, can get close to him? Uh, well, I actually, I don't think, uh, my opinion, and I mean, I have enormous respect for Jan. I mean, he was, yeah. uh, but I don't think uh, I don't think that he is the favorite to win this year. Uh, um, and uh, I think you always you look at what I'm always skeptical when athletes have an enormous amount of success and then make a dramatic change yeah. uh, to the structure of their year. So last year. You know, Jan, uh, basically, he did a bunch of halves, uh, but he didn't start that early. I mean, he started with Oceanside, you know, and then kind of got his groove in the halves and then had a had a, had a solid day in, in Frankfurt, um, you know, race 70.3 Worlds, uh, and, then, and then focused on Kona. And, you know, when he announced this year that he was going to try and, you know, uh, win the Triple Crown, so instead of starting in Oceanside, he started in Dubai, which is, uh, you know, two months earlier than he started the previous year. Um, and then it was not surprising, uh, to me that he then, you know, was like, uh, you know, he was supposed to race South Africa. Um, but then, you know, cause he had announced going for the world record in Roth. So mm -hmm. I think, Oh, he's going to be Ironman ready in March. And then he's going to do another, I mean, in some ways I think it's better to just sort of, I mean, you look at Daniela two years ago, where I think the only reason she lost is because she sort of flubbed her nutrition, but she really, you know, back end loaded that season. But I think it's, it's easier to do, if you're going to say do two or three Ironmans to do them closer together than to say do one in March and one in July and then try and do Kona. I mean, you saw, mm -hmm. I think with Crowley struggled once he started racing in, in Melbourne, mm -hmm. um, cause you just have to be fit so early. And so I think, you know, Jan 
to get ready for South Africa and then the injury. And then he sort of, you know, he went and did Lanzarote, but wasn't really 100%. And then, I mean, and then obviously just blew it out of the park uh, in, in Roth. And you think like, well, you know, he's three months away from Kona. How much more fit can he be than than 7.30, you know, 7 or whatever, whatever yeah. the craziness was in Roth? Like, how much faster is he actually going to get than that? Uh, you know, um, so that's, that's tough, I think, right? Like, uh, I think he's now said he's going to skip 70.3 worlds, which I think is, is, was, I mean, I think that that certainly, I think if he, if he hadn't done that, I think for sure, I would have said like, oh man, almost not, yeah, not that you ever write off a guy like Jan Ferdano, but I think Mm. I said like, oh yeah, I mean, this is, this is not going to be, this is not going to be his day in Kona, but I think he recognized that as well as you, I mean, which is not so surprising from an athlete like that, that's mm. so capable, but still, I think he recognizes that it's a big task. And then, I mean, I think to know even that if he wins in Kona, he still is chasing that triple crown. Although, I mean, I don't know what's happened with the triple crown because last year, of course, 70.3 worlds was, was part of it. So, you this know, I think it, the, yeah, this is the thing, you know. I don't think anybody knows what's going on with it. Oh, you've thrown a cat amongst the pigeons there, because I think he's uh, most people's race favourite. So we will, we will watch with interest from the sidelines. Um, just yeah, I mean, in I terms of um, anything, hard, it's hard to say. You know, I'm going to set the world record, and I'm going to defend the world championship, and I'm going to win the triple crown. It's like, man, that's a lot of big goals, uh, uh, and they're, they're you know spread out in a very different time frame. And he's, um, they've got a they've got a baby now as well. I think haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that as well, right? And I'm yeah. going to become a, and I'm going to become a father. Uh, oh. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot. I mean, if uh, for me, uh, I would say that I think the, I would say that I think the the favorite uh, would be Sebastian. You know, that's who I would if I was going to pick who I think it would be would be in it in it for the win this year. I think uh, I think Sebastian is is the guy. And just in terms of your career for where you're at at the moment, you know, obviously you're all, you're all eyes on, on Kona. Um, but, you know, what are your aspirations for, for, the, for the coming years over the next couple of years? Uh, for me, I mean, I'd really, like to, I'd really like to just have a day in Kona where I felt like I had my best race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not so much to say that, you know, that translates to a, a certain position, but I think to just have a day where I felt, uh, you know, about the way that I felt about the race in Tromla, I just to have a day where I didn't, where I didn't mess anything up and nothing kind of, you know, messed up me. And then I just to sort of feel like I was able to execute, uh, a solid day, uh, when it counted. Um, you know, I think when, when all the pressure's on and when all the eyes are on and when it's the most competitive to be, just be able to perform, I think, I do feel like that for me, if I can do that, I think that would, I think that would, would result in a top five, but mm. you know, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I think I really, I would just like to feel like I executed my best race in Kona, um, one of these years. And I think the result will, will stem from that, but that's really my goal is to, to show up in Kona and to put together a day that, uh, that I'm proud of. 
I've only got two, two other questions. One, just around your um, your diamond bike. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to know what they ride like, and I'm sure a lot of other people are, both in terms of um, sort of straight line performance when, you, when you're TTing, but also, you know, you're, you're at Mont Tremblant where you said it was not a crazy technical bike, but there are obviously some, some downhills. So maybe just talk us through what those, those bikes are like to ride for us out there that have, have never been on one before. Yeah, I mean, I think the beam, you know, a lot of people, it, it's definitely not a soft ride. I mean, I would say if you were, if you were totally, say, I mean, if you could somehow ride blindfolded, which I don't recommend, uh, <laughs> it, would, it would be tough to pick out that you're not on uh, a quote-unquote normal bike. Um, I mean, in that sense, it's it, it's surprisingly unsurprising. Yeah. Um, I do, the, the it, you do notice the beam if you, like, uh, there's some, some rough roads, uh, I think, uh, you know, like I think that you especially, uh, would appreciate, I think it's the sort of bike that, uh, would be super well suited to what I've heard the, the Taupo course is like a bit of that kind of chip seal. Like, um, you know, you can ride it with say, you know, you're put 23s on and it feels like you're riding with sort of, you know, 25s or 28. uh, it just gives you a little bit of that kind of smoother ride, especially on roads that are kind of that, chip seal or you know grooved concrete or anything like that it's just kind of that those roads that give you that kind of dull hum Mm. it takes a lot of that out um and then i think it's it's surprise i mean surprising i don't you know who knows what surprising means anymore but Mm. i do think i found it to be surprisingly quick um when i got to kona in the crosswinds it's Mm. not super noticeable uh at low yaw like where i live it's uh, a lot of canyons, so the wind is basically always a almost a, a completely straight uh, headwind or tailwind. I mean, we get really strong winds, at least as strong as Kona, but never really coming from the side. You're always riding straight into the wind or it's coming straight behind you. And then, uh, so I thought like, yeah, I mean, it seems fast enough. It seemed, you know, it was, uh, you know, marginally faster for me than the, the shiv that I had been on. Mm. Um, but close, I mean, you know, it's not like it was like, oh my God, this thing is, you know, I mean, it, it's about what the wind tunnel showed, um, mm. you know, it's competitive with those, but I found I was last year in Kona, I was, I was like blown away with how much faster it was once you got this big, the big crosswinds coming in. Um, it really does ride very well in the crosswinds, um, mm. which was nice. Um, you know, it sort of was an unexpected surprise. Mm. Um, Okay, and just in terms of if people want to follow you um, uh, or anything else you want to announce that, that you're getting out there at the moment, um, plug your, plug your, plug whatever you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I try and uh, be an equal opportunity employer on social media. You know, I try to. <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram at Jordan Rap. Uh, I missed being able to get uh, get a my 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 sort of nickname on there, but then on Twitter, where I've been on longer, I am a Rap Star. Uh, on Twitter, and then I have a Facebook page, and I pretty much post everything in all places. So whatever your preferred method of consumption is, I try. Uh, you know, you can pick one, so you don't have to hear me say everything three times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, not too much, not too much of note. Uh, sort of the usual grind. Although I try and I try and not post uh, stuff that's overly inspirational. Uh, I think that's, a, you know, not too many selfies, uh, not too many, you know, like uh, military quotes or otherwise, uh, you know, try and just sort of be myself on there. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, I think watch that that space for I will be doing uh, an eighth edition of my fundraiser for World Bicycle Relief, right. and then right. uh, I also will be doing yet another uh, yet another giveaway. Now that I have a new frame from Diamond, I will be giving away one of my old frames uh, as I've done in the past. So uh, some lucky person will will get a free bike. Uh, so look for announcements of both of those. But I usually publicize both of them multiple times so don't be worried about missing them but those would be the only things that would be actually exciting uh, much more exciting than me posting pictures of you know <laughs> the latest swim bike and run awesome oh we'll look forward we're going to be in kind of this year so we look forward to seeing you from the sidelines and uh looking forward to seeing if you can uh punch up into that top five so thanks so much for your time and uh, all the best for kona yeah, thanks, John. Look forward to seeing you guys out there, and uh, thanks for having me back on. I'm glad that I've sort of earned my way back into the into the worthy of being included on IM Talk since uh, you guys are awesome, and this is a I mean a great show that's an incredible history. And uh, yeah, I mean I love I think the the one for I will plug you guys yeah. if people haven't listened to any of your Legends of Triathlon. Um, the one I mean me obviously I have some personal bias, but. Uh, the Simon Whitfield one and the Dan Epfield one, both of those uh, were fantastic and uh, taught me something about people that I thought I knew almost everything about. Great. Fantastic. Okay, Joel Navo, we're back and King Lee's going to win Kona. Apparently so. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because traditionally, we've always, you know, until Frodo really came along, we always said that if you go hard in that kind of mid Germany season, that you're not going to do that well in Kona, but Frodo is a special athlete, so it'll be interesting to see if that's really true this year. Yeah, I, I still think he'll win. He's, he's the best athlete out there. It's just whether he can produce it on the day. So, uh, and the thing is, he's got no weakness anymore. If he was a little bit suspect on the bike, um, you know, obviously Crowy in the past, um, there was that period where he was a little bit suspect on the bike, and but Frodo is just the weapon on the bike now, so he doesn't have a weakness. But you never know, you know, it's a funny old sport and you just need a couple of things to, to not go your way, you know. He got a puncher one year, you get a puncher and maybe you're just not quite 100%. And and last year, you know, it did look at a, at a time there that um, Raylert was potentially yeah. going to catch him. Yeah. Um, he did put the afterburners on towards the end. So it's certainly not a done deal and he needs to be, he, does, he doesn't need to be at 100%, but he probably needs to be um, 95% plus to be able to win that race. Good times. Okay, Jonbo sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. Now, I, I went on to Athlinks, so I just saw, I wonder if Jordan Rapp's on there, because he's kind of a numbers numbers dude, and he likes all that sort of stuff. And he did used to be on there up until about um, 2010 or so. And also our next guest, Mary, Mary Beth Ellis, she was on there for a while as well. And um, But they both haven't uh, haven't carried it on for, for up to the up to date so you guys if you're listening go and update your athletics account um because i did see when i was looking through both of theirs um the a number of race results that are the from events that are no longer there so there was one for jordan i think the soma half ironman so guys if there are if just just try to be diligent with it even if you did it once at the end of the season go through and, and grab up all your races because there's so many races that are disappearing and and, and i'm 
annoyed that this sort of stuff wasn't around when uh, when I was in my heyday of racing because uh, there's so many races that I've forgotten about um, that, that no longer exist. So once they're gone and the websites go down, this, it's pretty difficult to retrieve those results. But if you get onto it at the end of each season, um, if you Northern Hemisphere athletes, your season's starting to come to a close, then you've got all your results in one place. And if those events fall over, at least you've got a, um, a bit of a, a history of your athletic career. So check it out, athletics.com. And remember the email we got last week from, I can't remember who actually sent it through, but saying they finally got onto doing it and they didn't realise how easy it was, first of all, and how many of their old races were already on Athlete. So they just had to claim their races. So for those who haven't done it, check it out. You'll find it so easy and you'll actually be pretty happy to see that, Jesus, man, I've actually got quite a few of the races. And you may even see races that you've forgotten you've done. If you are that person who races a lot, be surprised at how many races that maybe you've forgotten you've done and, and you'll see that you know, your name will pop up. Oh my God, I did that race as well. And so again, they make it really easy to get your races started up. So check it out at links.com. Okay, John, we've got Mary Beth Ellis on, a uh, bit, bit of a rock star of the sport, been around the game for a long time and she's a pretty cool interview of her. So here she is, Mary Beth Ellis. Okay, guys, um, we've got one. No, we've got two two of our favourites on today's show. We've got Jordan Rapp, who you're going to hear from, but also Mary Beth Ellis. And the, the lovely Mary Beth Ellis. We wanted to get her back on because she has had a couple of big performances of late. She took out Ironman Mont-Tremblant uh, the weekend before last, and then a few weeks before that, she took out Ironman Maastricht over there in Europe. So it's been a busy old time. So welcome back to the show, Mary Beth. Thanks for having me. Um, love being on the show with you guys. Um, what two Ironmans in a matter of three weeks, uh, pretty close together. We know we've seen you do this before, and we've seen lots of not lots, but a number of other superwomen do this before and perform really well. So, what what was the reason for you to be doing uh, two Ironmans so close together? The the year was a bit broken up. in In June, I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, so it, it just threw all the plans into. Chaos. Originally, I was hoping to do Roth. It's just been on the bucket list and really wanted to race there. Um, but with the with the diagnosis, I ended up just having to take most of June pretty much off. I mean, I, I trained a teeny bit, but it was more just trying to let the body recover. So a after I started to feel normal again about the middle of July, it was time to just look at the schedule and decide what to do. And um, Maastricht was close and I could get in, um, cause with WTC, you know, you needed to be three weeks out to register. So, huh. um, got in, had no idea what I was getting, getting into. And, and that was actually an amazing race. Uh, the, the bike course was crazy. Any, any athletes you have that love a technical bike course, there must've been a hundred turns each lap. It was, it was really technical. Um, and then I, I really wanted to do another race. I was looking at at doing a half, but um, Mount Tremblant was also the same weekend as the half I was looking at, and I have a soft spot for Tremblant. It's the only Ironman I've gone back to and really wanted to, to race there one more time. What was it like for your in, confidence? In, oh, sorry. What was it like for your confidence, you know, to have a kind of a tough year, then to come back and just kind of nail two races in three weeks? I, I really struggled last year after, after Kona with a little bit of confidence. Um, you know, I thought I was I was ready to do well there, and I came off the bike in good position. I think I was in third and um, in a great spot to to perform well. I think if I'd run a three fifteen, is all I had to run to be in the top three, and I just crumbled. So the confidence had had definitely taken a hit after that. And 
with Lyme disease, it was more, you know, you just, you, stuff like this happens. You get injured as an athlete, as a professional, you're always having to deal with, with those kind of, you know, the unexpected happenings. So, yeah, obviously to come back and have a good race in, in Maastricht was, was a relief. Um, but, but also, you know, you look at the competition, it was, neither of these races really were a Kona type field. Um, I went into both of them thinking if I had a decent day, I, I could win, but you, you never know with Ironman, anything mm. can happen out there. It's, that's the old Ironman, um, catchphrase, Any, anything is possible, anything can happen. <laughs> um, with, with Maastricht, I'm always interested for for pro athletes. When you know you were dominating the race, I think you you end up winning by about 25 minutes. Always wondering why why keep pushing. You know, are you just looking for personal excellence, or did you know you were that far in front, and would you have eased off? I mean, what did 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 you push very hard? Not really on the run in in either race. Mostly from the perspective of not wanting to completely flatten myself. It's um, it, in Maastricht, I felt good, so I just kept it controlled and and just try, you know, try to get into a rhythm on the run and get my cadence up and just relax and enjoy it. Um, you know, it's it's rare that you have a a lead that big, and I know that if if you do anything stupid, you can also. Um, I, last year, I managed to lose a lead of seventeen minutes, so I know anything is possible from there as well. So. <laughs> Um, you know, I just try to be conservative there. And then in, in Mount Tremblant, I was actually, I felt pretty awful getting off, off the bike. And I just made, made the decision there that the whole goal was defense of the, of the win. And just, I didn't care if I won by one second or 10 minutes or 12 minutes. I just wanted to defend that, that lead. And, um, so I, I definitely was conservative there. Um, just knowing how I felt getting off the bike. And, um, how, how beat up do you feel after races? Because, you know, for, for us um, age group athletes, especially the ones that maybe do one Ironman a year or one Ironman every couple of years, you know, when you're done on that day, you're, um, you know, mentally and, and physically pretty pretty spent. And uh, the last thing I'd want to do is, is turn around and do, do another race. But given for you pro athletes, you know, your volume's a lot higher. Um, how spent are you after an Ironman where you haven't, you know, completely emptied the tank? You know, kind of, I know, is probably a different story, but at one of these races where you've sort of raced a little bit within yourself, um, how, how beat up are you after the race? I th- I think this the central nervous system is a little tired. You just you want more sleep the the week after, and um, you know your body's definitely just just drained. But as far as sore and, and things, if I haven't had to to really push hard. I'm not generally too sore. Maybe the next day we're a little bit sore, but we, we just try to do, I think Brett has a good formula too. He has, you just keep moving the week after the race. You don't do anything long or anything hard, but you know, you just do little bits here and there. And I feel like I, I recover actually physically relatively quickly. I think where there's, where there's a scar that sometimes is hard to heal is mentally. If, if you've had to really go to the well, in a race mentally, I think it is hard to, to come back and race again. And, um, that's where I think in the past with Kona, I've struggled sometimes is I've gone to the well mentally with some of these races and then you get to Kona and you just don't want to hurt yourself again. Like you already have earlier in the year. If, if you can race a little bit within yourself and, and mentally not, 
not be on that rivet, I think it's, it helps you a little bit towards the end of the season. What was it? Can you talk us to us about the the Lyme experience? Like, what was it? What what's it like? What how did it affect your training? All the you know, what was the real cost on the athletic life? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I I I know the exact um, day I, I was bit. My body just reacted strongly. I, it started out as just um, a relatively small circular rash, about the size of uh, like a baseball. Um, and, and then I just, we kind of watched it a little bit and it just kept growing, um, in size, but it didn't form the rings. And about 10 days after the initial rash, um, it had kept growing at this point, it was pretty big on my back. And then the, the, the center kind of disappeared and it turned into the big bullseye. Um, but as far as feeling the effects, I really didn't feel that bad. Um, but I also reading all the literature, you take, I took it pretty seriously once it was clear that that's what it was. Um, and there's a course of, of antibiotics that are pretty strong. They, um, you know, they, they definitely really try to hit it hard and, and you take them longer than a normal antibiotic. So it was, um, three weeks worth of an antibiotic that, yeah, kind of just clears out your whole system. And, um, so, so we took the training way back. We just kept everything easy, um, and the volumes lower and, um, really were conservative as far as the training for the three weeks I was taking the antibiotics um, and then just kind of slowly tried to build back in training and monitor how I was feeling and yeah just taking it one day at a time and and I you know it's hard too because then once you're back into training you obviously feel tired because you're training and you're supposed to feel tired and, and you don't know 100% if it's a normal tired or if there's anything, you know, that you should be concerned about. Um, so, so I think we were maybe a little more conservative all year than we have been in the past, but, um, in, in some ways I'm getting older, so it's probably just as well to, to kind of not be trying to go after it every session, every day. You're mm. a spring chicken. You've still got a three in front of your, uh, your age. So <laughs> not, for <you've>... <laughs> not for long. I've, I've made the bridge over and, uh, it's, it's a deep, dark place. <laughs> here, so just... Give up now. Kona's <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously coming up, uh, in, in a matter of weeks now. Um, so, you know, the last two performances you've had over there last year, you mentioned, you know, you're right in the mix coming off the bike, um, but only managed to, to get through the 333. And, you know, a lot of people listening and going, wow, 333, that's amazing. But that's obviously not good enough to, to get yourself on the podium. The year before, you, again, you were right in the mix, but only managed a 321 for, for ninth place. So I guess your strategy over in Kona, is it that you're just struggling on the run or is it that you've, you've taken rolled the dice and taken a little bit of a risk what, what what's sort of going on with with your Kona performances I you know it's hard because you it's hard to piece together exactly what's what's gone wrong but it seems pretty clear in the last two years that I'm probably biking a little bit too hard and then leaving it on the bike and I think I'm just also a little sensitive to the heat. So once I go over that, that line, I, I'm just explode. And I mean, it's interesting. I, I actually come from a running background. I mean, I, I ran marathons before I started triathlon. So to struggle so much on the run is, is tough. And I think my first Ironman as my fastest run split, I ran three out three Oh one or 
in my first Ironman and I've never gotten back to that. And I think part of it is, um, you know, the harder you bike, the slower you run, it's not really that complicated. You, so, so I think, I think this year I try to be a little bit smarter on the bike and not, um, not unnecessarily be burning matches out there that I'm going to need on the run. And yeah, I mean, it's hard though, because no matter what you do, it's, you can't pinpoint any one thing that, that you've done wrong. It seems like there's always multiple factors involved. Um, but, but certainly being maybe a little bit more conservative and not, not racing as aggressively as you can in other courses, I think you can, um, be aggressive on the bike when it's a cold race. Um, and outside of that Kona conditions and Kona competitive field, you can be aggressive and, and you don't necessarily pay for it. Whereas in Kona, when you're too aggressive, it comes back and and you pay that price. It's, it's almost it's the problem of you with the, for the pro athlete because you don't get many opportunities throughout the year to actually race like you would in Kona. Because I imagine in Kona you are responding to the race a lot more, so you will take more risks. Uh, whereas in other races you are more just racing within. You know you might have a bit of competition, but as you said for your two races this year, you kind of knew you had them if you race smart. Um, so so how much is that about controlling emotion when I'm actually racing? I think that's that's a really vital component is is controlling the emotion and then also know, knowing yourself. I think um, a lot of the a lot of us that are relatively strong cyclists want to be in the mix, getting off the bike. Where that's what we're used to to doing. And you know, to to just say say see a Daniela and say oh, I'm just going to let her go is isn't necessarily something that we're used to doing. And mm. uh, but I think I think for for me uh, this year I need to be smarter and listen to myself a little bit and if if people go off at a pace that um, it is too strong for my blood I need to just let them go and and be happy with with where I'm at and um, try to save a little bit more for the for the run so so getting to Kona I think I think it was um from memory the first time we, we caught up with you in Kona I think you'd had a um a pretty full-on path to, to get there and uh and again this year you've, you've obviously chosen to do Tromblanc and um Maastricht and I, I'm sure you would have had a few points from from whilst not having a great race last year getting 13th is to have some points from that so what's your sort of um opinion of, of the KPR at the moment um because when I looked through the, the sort of the lists of females um it didn't really look like there was any contenders not in the top 35 but I think um my argument with where there's, there's only 35 girls versus 50 guys is yes you've still got all the best girls there but sometimes the path they've had to take has been a little bit harder than what the, the guys have been so where, where do you sort of stand on the KPR at the moment? Uh, I I agree I think actually this year is the first year you've really seen the fallout from that um, from that in the women's fields you, you've seen lighter fields and I think part of that is that a lot of the athletes that have chased points over the last three or four years have either gotten themselves injured or sick or just burnt out or, yeah, I, I think there has been a fallout and I think it's more in that, um, you know, there's, there's women who aren't going to be in Kona who are either burnt out, sick, injured, that, that type of thing. And I, I just think it's hard. I mean, there's no right formula. I, I know that talking to the guys, they think, um, you know, our fields are, are weaker, which sometimes they are. And, you know, it's it's hard. You're not going to necessarily please 
please everyone. I do. I do think this year it looks like all the women that are healthy and, and racing will be on the start line, which is good to see. Um, I'd, I'd love to in the future have equal numbers. I think that's where it should be going, and um, maybe just they could come up with a timeline to when they think um, we can we can be there and and keep encouraging women who are at the top of the age group ranks to, to turn pro and you know trying to encourage them that that it's you know, a good way for them to, you know, make money on the side and enjoy their racing and, and maybe give them some benefits as to why, you know, they should they should be joining us in the pro ranks. Marybeth, I've got a, a question for you. You know, you're an experienced athlete now. You've been, you know, you've been in the game for a long time. Kind of two questions here. So the first is, um, what what have you learned or what, what has, what's shifted in the way you approach the sport now that, that experience has taught you? And maybe... As you look upon the youngest version of yourself or the younger version of yourself, um, what have you lost that maybe is something that you try to bring back now? Uh, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I I think the one thing that, that I've learned a little bit, and it's still not, not completely a lesson I've soaked in, but um, just not being so um, stressed out before races, I think – especially when I was racing on the ITU circuit when I first started, I would just be so stressed out before races. And, um, you know, it's just not helpful. And, you know, the the more relaxed you can be going into a race, and especially those ITU races where you make one mistake and potentially your day's mm. over. For for me, it was I was just so stressed out at this, on the starting line. And, and any of those races, knowing that I was going to get beaten up in the swim and then um, I was always coming out right at, on the tail end of that front pack beginning of the second pack so the beginning of the bike was always a struggle and um, it it just yeah it made racing not that much fun and I think moving to long course it's been a little more enjoyable just you know one mistake isn't a big deal you can overcome a mistake any point in your day but as far as um, you know kind of bringing back something from when I first started, I, I think just having fun with the sport is important too. And, and I still try to do that, but you know, as it becomes a job, it's, it's hard. Sometimes you, um, you look at it as a job and not as something that you're really excited to do. So, you know, trying to enjoy every day and, and every race. And I've tried to do that in the last two years, knowing that, um, the career won't be lasting that much longer. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned going over to Switzerland this year with um, and being with Brett. So is, is that association still rolling? Because I, I know when obviously Team TBB kind of fell away and, and Brett went and, and sort of reset up his own gig, um, there was confusion whether Team TBB was going to keep going and what Brett was going to be doing, whether he'd be coaching people or, or, or not. Um, so maybe t- tell us about a bit, bit about your coaching situation and, and by all means, if you were over there when uh, Nicola Spurg was racing and um, how you thought she was going to go in the Olympics. Yeah, I, I well, to start first, yeah, I, w- I was, I'm still with Brett and, I was, I did get to see some some Nicola action firsthand, um, both in 2012, before that Olympics, and then again this year. And every time, I, I've just been amazed with how well they've worked together, her and Brett, to really peak for, for the Olympics. And I remember in 2012 thinking that she was way too fit in March, but, I mean, she just kept getting fitter and fitter until... 
obviously she won the gold medal and um and this year I know that there was a bit of a a speed bump when she broke her hand but um you know being there in February a bit to see her training in um, Grand Canary and then being there this summer um just again they really had her um, as fit as possible. And I think she, she was ready for, for that Olympics. And it was, it was exciting to watch. It was a great race on the women's and the men's side. Um, but, but yeah, I've been with Brett, um, since 2011 and I left, um, after I broke my collarbone in, in Cozumel, um, for about a year and a half, I, I wanted to see if I could live at home and and make it work and not be in camps all year. And it, it really didn't work. I, I wasn't healthy um, with the the coach I was working with and was sick and um, it was just a little bit too much intensity. Um, I think Brett just knows my body a little better and we dialed back and on the intensity and a little more of the volume and it's just his mix for me for some reason seems to work better than any anything else I've tried. Going into Kona this year, uh, what's the goal? What, what, you know, like, because oh, you, you're in a funny time now where this is kind of one rock star again in the sport. Um, and does that, does that mean you feel everyone's racing for a second, or do you, do you try to take a crack at her, or, or does it just I race my race and see what happens? Like, what's the goal for you going into Kona? I, I really would like to have at least finish off with an enjoyable, enjoyable Kona. I mean, not feel like I'm just suffering out there for the last half of the run. The last two years, it's just. I mean, I, I think last year at one point I was walking backwards on the run course, just ready to quit. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to have an experience like that, it's just, you know, it's, it's awful and it puts a bad taste in your mouth. And I, I love to just finish feeling strong. And, um, if that's top three, that would be amazing. If it's top 10, I'll take it. Um, I, I, I think if I'm a little more conservative, um, that top 10 should be should be doable but you know again you never know and and it's a strong women's field this year um but i mean looking at the numbers last year running a 315 shouldn't be outside the realm of possibility and mm. so i i'd love to just finish with with a run that's decent and i think i'll end up in a in a decent position excellent we'll be cheering you on from the sidelines so Getting up Palani, no walking up Palani, just spank it up there. If people want to follow you or anything like that, what's and uh, and, and and follow your progress, what what's what do you sort of do in terms of keeping the world up to date with what you're up to? I uh, t- I use Twitter and Facebook. I have an athlete page on Facebook and um, tweet and Instagram and and all that, and occasionally blogs, but usually I. Wait till I have something at least to say before I write write a blog. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be out there. I'm sure I'll have some some stuff leading into Kona um, because it's always exciting for us pros and I know for the age groupers as well as we're kind of focusing on that race because it is it is the big one in our in our sport. So I noticed on your website you've even got a, a rant section. Um, that uh, needs needs to be updated. We need a few more rants. I think you won the ITU World's uh, long distance, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. Um, yeah, last and, year, and yeah. Last year, and, and you still needed to pay your entry, entry fee by USA yeah. Triathlon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I got in trouble for that rant. Haven't made any sense. Awesome. Okay, now we look forward to seeing you on Kona, and we look forward to you smoking that race. So well done the last few weeks, and uh, all the best for the next few weeks leading into Kona. Thanks, yeah, and look forward to seeing you guys out there in Kona. Oh, you'll hear us. Don't worry about that. Oh, good. (laughs) Brilliant. That's great. Thank you very much, Mary Beth. Okay, Jombo, we are back, and it'll be really fascinating to see how she goes this year. That must have been a bit gutting last year to, you know, to get off the bike and, you know, know that, well, after the fact that if she'd ran in 315, she would have got third place, you know, Mm. and and that's well within her ability. Absolutely, she she showed it everywhere else, and she's a she's a good runner. So she hasn't necessarily had good runs over there, but uh, we know that she's got the capacity to do it. So, yep, I would love to see her cranking it out there this year. Okay, Jumbo. So just lastly, we're just going to do some questions and answers. Absolutely, Devin. Um, now this was a, a this this one was sent in from uh, oh no a couple of things first Jeff. Fairbanks, who we had on the show quite a while ago, this was uh, some stage earlier this year, and he was going out there to do 21 70.3 um, efforts in 21 days, and with a thing called the Triumph Project, he just popped me a note the other day saying that he managed to complete it. So that was all good. He was he was he was coming from it, you know. If we had um, what was the dude who did the 50 50 or whatever it was, 50 Ironmans in 50 days. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head. That was pretty epic. But that guy was coming from a pretty strong athletic background, and he'd done crazy things like this before. Whereas when we did the interview with Jeff Fairbanks, he was uh, pretty new to the game, sounded uh, I wouldn't say clueless, but didn't really know what he was getting himself in for, and hadn't done this sort of stuff before. So it was a, a very different challenge for him. So to do twenty seventy point three training days in twenty one days is uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. So, Jobo, the other thing that we had a lot of feedback from a lot of listeners through this week is that Gwen Jorgensen is going to be running the New York Marathon. Now, the the question is, is she just doing it or is she doing it? Mm. And the, I saw an interview that she did on slowtwitch.com, um, sort of a post-Olympic one, and they did ask her about the New York City race, and she she didn't really say what she was going to do. She said she's she's always wanted to run a marathon, um, so it didn't sound like she's going to prepare super specifically for it. But it didn't sound like she was just going to be jogging around it either. So I think it'll be somewhere in the in the middle. What do you think? If she okay, here we go. This is a pointless discussion, but a great discussion. If she mm. were to crank out a marathon, you know, like properly train, what do you reckon she'd pull off? Um. I would have thought probably a low 230. I would have thought something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of low, somewhere between, you know, I would say closer to 230 than 235. Okay. So you think it'd be a good race between you and her? No, she'd she'd crush me. So, well, no, I think if I train specifically for her, I can get down to 235. But if she didn't beat me, she wouldn't have had a good run. Okay, nice. Well, I, I imagine that's probably more sponsors' obligation because I see she's sponsored by Essex, so uh, you know, and they're a big supporter of the New York Marathon. So I imagine it's probably more about just uh, getting her there for the race for that reason. Because I wonder if she got much exposure in America. You know, like I wonder how much you know, because I know American sports, the Olympic coverage was very dominated by the gymnastics and the swimming. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how much 
you know, Americans let us know. We yeah. can speak. I think she's, I think she's done uh, reasonably well out of it. But uh, Americans, how much coverage did she get relative to other gold medal winners? Okay, Jonbo, you got this email through. So, so who's this from? Yes, yeah, so this is from Matt. He said, um, "Just back from holiday, and I'm catching up on your great podcast. I've noticed a lot of attempts at difficult words from you, but little attempt from Bevan. Because <laughs> I'm hopeless. <laughs> Perhaps he could try this Irish expression." It's how the Irish express astonishment and disbelief. All he needs to do is say these th- three words in sequence. Do you want me to say them? Yeah. Well, oof, well oil beef hooked. I've got no idea what that means. Well, I think it's meant, well, I'll be effed. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, oil well, beef be- hooked. Well, oil beef hooked. Well, I'll be yeah. hooked. There you go. There you go. So he said, do you Irish know, there's, there's a situation in South of France which is preventing people from entering IMN France. Do you know about that? Well, obviously we had the, the Nice incident um, fairly recently with that nut job who drove the truck into people and he was just, Matt was just seemed to be implying that maybe the, 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 the I'm in France is not selling out as quickly as it does in the past um, oh, because okay. of that. But I, I sort of replied saying, look, I just think that's a, a sign of the times and the sport races aren't selling out super quickly. There's so many races on these days, so much choice um, and there just seems to be a little bit of a dip in participant rates. So I think... Yes, that probably has a small amount to do with it, but I think it's more of a sign of the times. Now, we've got an email through from uh, Hugh Now How Dolphin. Uh, sad news, actually. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is big news because even on stuff.co.nz, this is on the front page of stuff this morning. Sad news. Hi, guys. Some very sad news over the weekend. Nick Thomas, a local guy. Uh, how do I say that place on? Shafasua? Shire? I'm not sure I haven't got it in front of me. Oh, okay, UK. Has been a massive inspiration to help and help to many triathletes and swimmers pass away as he's swimming the channel this weekend. The BBC story is linked below and I'll put that in the show notes. Nick ran a weekly open water swim at the local lake, Ellesmere, where he lived and so many people from the surrounding areas were benefited from the hard work he and his members of his family gave up. He completed the arch to arch previously and was a veteran of IMM racing. He's the sort of person who gives up their time selfishly to help other people achieve their ambitions. I and many of my mates will have swum in next sessions and improved their confidence and technique for our IM swims. Sad news indeed. So uh, he was swimming, he was swimming, doing the channel swim and something went wrong and obviously he passed away and just want to say um, from, from us in the community and to his family and, and to his loved ones, just thinking of him because it's obviously a very, very horrible thing and it's obviously sad to lose someone, but also to lose someone who gave back so much to the sport. So just thinking of your family, Nick, um, Nick's family. Um, total U-turn and discussion, John, because then we got an email through from quite a few people from a race in Dublin City Triathlon. And did you see this, the deer? Oh, I saw that come through today. Yeah, that was uh, mental. Pretty horrible, man. So there's a picture, and I'll put it on the, on the website, www.talk.me. Uh, deers were running across the, the bike course basically and one guy has just been smashed by a deer running into him like jumping over him the guy's landing on his head in the photo so it ain't pretty man imagine that because no. you wouldn't be expecting it would you no and those things move pretty quickly and they're big beasts of animals and they've got the big antlers as well so yeah. brrr, poor bugger so that's definitely the photo of the week for this week okay Jumbo sponsors athletes.com social networking for endurance athletes Extreme jerks. Your lactic buffer and also our patrons and the reason we're going to call patrons. 
so well, yeah one of the things with our patrons if you go to imtalk.me um, we've got pictures of loads of our patrons that have sent in um, pictures and we, if you haven't done that please do so just little headshots and some people also I request to send in a little bit about them and so Steve Chamberlain Ward I've been racing triathlons of all distances except for Ironman since 1998 I'm the longest serving member of the Hawthorne Triathlon Club which is based in inner eastern Melbourne Australia they've got a great uh, a great um, Aussie rules team there yeah. During this period, I've completed over 200 events, including wow. tries, runs, ocean swims, cycling events, working as a full-time sales and marketing manager. I somehow find time to manage the Hawthorne Triathlon Club's beginner program, which sees around 40 beginner triathletes do a six-week two six-week courses each year, sit on the board of Canoeing Victoria as a director, raise two teenage boys, train for a variety of events, and the odd triathlon being good enough husband to still be married after 20 years. A few of my close friends call me evil guru due to my level of knowledge in triathlon and willingness to be challenged beginners to achieve things they didn't see possible. So there's Steve Chamberlain, one of our great patrons. Oh, I love your work, Steve. You're a good man. Okay, go on, Bo. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go www.imtalk.me. It's all very simple. You click on there and you become a patron of the show. And it really does make a difference. And our Kona shows that are happening in a few weeks from now are all because of those people who are our patrons. So you guys absolutely rock. Okay, Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? We had the latest round of the JD Duathlon oh, last nice. weekend. So, uh, and we had a cracking day on Sunday. Oh, it was amazing, uh, wasn't it? Uh, last year we actually had to cancel this race um, and we cancelled it the day before because of weather it was just foul and this year the day before it was horrendous football got cancelled it was just pissing down all day and then on race day on Sunday it was probably the hottest I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the hottest days of August on record it was I went out for a run in the afternoon and it was t-shirt and shorts weather and we're still in winter so it was awesome wow nice and, and uh, did everyone go well? everyone went well yep no, no, no major dramas. One dude did manage to fall off his bike. Um, um, I don't know how he managed to do it. Straight roads, but he managed to fall off his bike. So he was riding past the peace van. You see the yes. news last night? <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, Bevan, it's uh, I can hear Thomas's footsteps above my head. He's made it. Uh, he's risen for the morning. Gets up at six fifteen. I've got to get him into action. Other than that, it's going to be interesting to see how much training I get done over the next two weeks. I think today could be a zero, and I'm not happy about it. I really do not like zeros. Well, what's the plan? Do you, do, you, do you have zeros often? I try to avoid zeros. I don't like zeros. I just feel like rubbish when I have zero days. Oh, I don't mind a zero day. I have one once a week nowadays. Um, no. And uh, what's, how, how are you going to be doing this successfully, John? I'll confirm that next week. Okay. But I've got a pre- pretty tight schedule. There's not going to be any downtime any day. I've got a Got a, a little bit too much on at the moment, so... Uh, you were saying yeah. before the show you've overloaded your plate at a very bad time. Yes, I have. So, yeah, people email me and you don't get responses quickly. Just got a little bit much on the plate at the moment. <laughs> well, Jonbo, the band recorded our album we, on, on right. Friday. That was very exciting. So we went along Friday night and uh, we turned up and we go to the guy, the, the sound guy. We said, oh, we want to record seven songs. And he gave us a look like, you're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming. Mm. And because uh, we basically had maybe seven hours in the studio and he was kind of of the feeling we'd be lucky to get three out. But we managed to mm. pop seven out, John. So we're pretty happy with mm. that. Um, it was a pretty cool experience. I would have to say, I've never done anything like that before. And it was pretty cool to actually get in the studio. It was a bit nerve-wracking. But uh, yeah, no, that went really well. And then uh, Joe turned 40. 
So it's actually a birthday today. Ah. Yeah. So it, ah, yeah. See, I'm helping you out by uh, getting up early. You got the whole day with her. Yep. Well, not. Well, we do have to do some work, but we are going out to dinner tonight. And uh, Joe doesn't like the old fortieth being acknowledged. And see, the idea of a surprise birthday party, I would be basically in the relationship. So I haven't organised anything, <laughs> but she's still doubtful. <laughs> she keeps asking me, "Have you have you ever organised anything?" And, and I haven't. But she's uh, yeah, she's very not. She doesn't want no attention brought onto her on her fortieth birthday. <laughs> So, but I, yeah, so we, we had a family dinner on Friday, on Saturday night, and uh, and we're going to go for dinner tonight. So, 40th, something special. I'm going to have a party for my 40th. I don't mind so you the got attention. Cougar, you got cougar. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I love a cougar, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what would have to be the age difference for a cougar? Oh, no, it's got to be, I'd say, five years minimum, wouldn't it? I reckon 10. 10, yeah, probably yeah, 10. Because five is still pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, 10. Very good, Bevan. Oh, well, I know you uh, need to go, so let's wrap it up. Yep. No, two good interviews today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Iron Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha. <laughs>